she released a book. She came and visited. Loads of us went through it. Uh, uh, our home group went through it. Um, and uh, it was a, a fantastic thing. She's released a second book. And I was like, we cannot not have Jo come and share her second book with her. Do you agree? Yes. Yes, you should agree. Because we've got her now anyway, whether you like it or not. Um, so uh, Jo of Refresh Frame is going to come and talk to us. Um, we're going to record it so all the people that aren't here can do it. Um, and um, I'm going to let her just get on with it because we hear far too much of me. Are you able to hold it? Uh, yes. So that is fine. Oh, yes, it's in my pocket. Let me get that out. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Right. Ah, well, that was quite an introduction. Thank you, Kev. <laughs> Yes, so some of you will remember me um, that I came and spoke on Refresh in 2022. Um, my new book is a simplified version of Refresh uh, designed for people with learning difficulties. Um, and it's called Living Well with God. So if you remember Refresh and Living Well with God, they look at what the Bible says about well-being in different areas of life. And there's 52 um, short lessons or devotionals um, that look at at those different topics. Um, so living well with God, I'm going to talk a bit more about it a bit later in the talk, but it follows the same structure as Refresh, but it's a simplified version for people with learning difficulties um, and anyone else who finds reading hard. So my background, why I've written this book, um, when I was 23, I started my first full-time job, which was at a place called the Orpheus Centre, which is in Godston. I don't know if anybody's heard of it. Um, it's basically a, a residential performing arts college for young people with disabilities. And to be honest, I had no experience working with people with disabilities at that point. I didn't really know anyone with learning disabilities. Um, and I wasn't really looking to kind of get into that field. But the performing arts connection I was interested in, and it was a job that, that seemed like a, an interesting job. So I worked there as a support worker. And then later on, I trained as a music therapist Again, I worked with people with learning difficulties, often people that, that have limited speech. So music kind of gives another language to kind of explore emotions and, and work through things. Um, and that, of course, grew my interest in well-being and emotional health, um, which is part of what led me to refresh. And then in 2018, I started co-leading a small group at uh, my former church, um, called a Community Church, um, which is for adults with additional needs. And I've been leading the Bible teaching in that group. And when we first started, I quickly realized there are very few suitable faith resources for people with learning difficulties and those who find reading hard. Most of the um, resources that you can get are at a kind of mainstream level. They're going to be too difficult for many people in those positions to read and understand. Um, or they're children's resources which is not really suitable for adults. We want to respect adults as adults. Um, they're not children. They have different questions and concerns. Um, they have different experiences. So I started kind of writing my own teachings, my own handouts, um, and I've been doing that since 2018. And when I, uh, at a similar kind of time, started writing Refresh, um, my plan from the beginning was that I would also write an accessible um, version that would be simplified for people with uh, additional needs. 
Um, and since then, I have discovered that there are actually many more people in our communities who struggle with reading, who may not have a learning disability, but actually reading is still something they find really hard. And again, there's very few kind of written resources out there that are really at a level that they can engage with. It might be that there are some people in that room <laughs> that feel like, yeah, I, I know what that's like. Uh, reading's not my strong point. So we're going to come back to that a little bit later as well. <clears throat> but what we're going to look at this morning, we're going to think a bit about how we can welcome and include people of all abilities in church community, and particularly, how can we help Christians with learning difficulties to grow in their faith? Um, why does this matter? And we're going to think a bit more sort of widely about what kind of kingdom is God inviting us into um, and how does that involve all of us? So, let's see if this works. Oh, it does. Excellent. <laughs> of course. So as we begin, I want you to imagine that you are a person, an adult, with a learning disability. This is a wide spectrum. People have all kinds of different needs. Um, but possibly, you might struggle with understanding lots of information. You might only be able to read very simple words. You might look or behave differently from other people. You might have physical needs as well. You might be anxious in unfamiliar situations. And often, you might have sensory challenges. So you might find it hard to cope with lots of noise or lots of people and those sorts of things. So if you visit this church, on a Sunday morning as an adult with a learning disability, what's that gonna be like? And just think about this for yourselves. What are the good parts? What are you gonna enjoy? What's gonna make you feel welcome? I think there's lots of things here that will uh, make you feel welcome. But is there anything that you can think of now that you think, actually, that might be a bit hard? What might be difficult to understand? Is there anything that might make you feel anxious? Are you going to know what to do? What's expected of you? Is there anything that's going to potentially might be a barrier to you feeling fully included? Just think about that for yourselves um, for a moment. And my key question for this morning is, if you're a follower of Jesus with a learning disability, how will this church help you grow in your faith? That's the big question we're going to think about. Um, a little while ago, uh, Tim uh, prayed uh, that we would not be babies, but would grow mature in the faith. And that's really relevant, because that's what I'm going to talk about in the first part of this uh, talk. Um, that's what we're all here for, isn't it? We're all here because we want to worship Jesus together, um, we want to know him more deeply, and we want to grow in our faith. We want to become spiritually mature. <clears throat> but what is spiritual maturity? Here are some of the things we sometimes think are spiritual maturity. Is it understanding theology? Is it knowing your Bible well? Praying every day? Perhaps serving in ministry? Becoming a leader? Telling lots of people about Jesus? Or preaching in church, like I'm doing right now? Are those things spiritual maturity? I think we all kind of know that they're not, but sometimes we sort of think that's, that's what spiritual maturity is. But actually, some of these things aren't accessible to all Christians. And spiritual maturity is a journey we're all on, isn't it? This is what we're all called to. So spiritual maturity must be something that includes all of us. 
So if you're sitting there thinking, uh, I'm, I'm never going to know my Bible well as well as Kev does, or, or I, d- I don't really see myself being a leader, or gosh, I could never preach in church, those aren't things that um, equal spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is accessible to all of us. So what is it? It's very simple. The Bible tells us spiritual maturity is getting to know God, walking in his way, and ultimately becoming more like Jesus. That is the journey we're on. That is what spiritual maturity looks like. And just to prove it, here we've got Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13, 15, and 16. Paul says, Our goal is to become like a full-grown man, to look just like Christ, and have all his perfection. Then we will no longer be like babies. No, we will speak the truth with love. We will grow to be like Christ, in every way. He is the head, and the whole body depends on him. All the parts of the body are joined and held together with each part doing its own work. This causes the whole body to grow and to be stronger in love. So we can see in this passage, spiritual maturity is seen in our character. It says we speak truth with love. And I'm sure you can think of probably a dozen more verses off the top of your head uh, where the New Testament talks about what kind of character we're supposed to have as Christians, we're supposed to love one another, we're supposed to display the fruits of the Spirit, Uh, we're supposed to be honest and and trustworthy, all of those things. Um, That's how our character shows that we've become like Jesus. And we also see that each person um, plays a part. There's unity within diversity. We all have different parts to play, but we're playing those parts together. And we see here in verse 16, we're growing together in love. This causes the whole body to grow and be stronger in love. So we're showing in our character that we're like Jesus. We're each playing a part in the community and we're growing together in love. That, in a nutshell, is what spiritual maturity looks like. The New Testament also uses the analogy of milk and solid food. Um, So we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Oh, I should say as well, I'm using um, Bible versions today that are simple Bible versions. So most of these um, passages are from the easy-to-read version, which is my personal favourite. It's the one I use the most. So here, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says uh, to the Corinthians, you were like babies in Christ, and the teaching I gave you was like milk, not solid food. I did this because you were not ready for solid word, for solid food, and even now you are not ready. You are jealous of each other. You're always arguing with each other. This shows that you are still following your own selfish desires. So you see here, you're not ready for solid food. You're not fully mature because you're still arguing with each other and you're jealous and you're not showing that character of Jesus. And again in Hebrews chapter 5, um, the writer says, By now you should be teachers but you still need the teaching that's like milk. You're not ready for solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still a baby and is not able to understand much about living right. But solid food is for people who have grown up. So again, when we grow up, we understand how to live right. Um, Now, this next bit is shamelessly stolen from a talk I heard at CCC um, because it really just clicked it in my mind and I thought it was such a good way of talking about it. So... This is the cycle that we're kind of on as Christian believers. When we're babies in Christ, just like a a human baby, we need to be fed. 
when we're babies, others teach us and mentor us in the basics of faith. We could say that's like the milk, uh, the basics of the faith. But then we begin to grow up and we begin to be able to feed ourselves. Um, we start to perhaps build the, the kind of building blocks of a personal faith. We start to apply the teaching we've been given and we start to change. Our life begins to change. We start to look more and more like Jesus and we become closer to him. We're becoming more independent in our faith. Perhaps for many of us, that might mean we're able to pray ourselves, we're able to perhaps read the Bible for ourselves and, and just build that personal relationship with Jesus. And then, this is the brilliant part, when we become mature, we're like this guy at the end here. We're able to feed others. And this is the thing that really clicked for me in that talk I heard. When we're mature, we are able to support others on this journey. We use our gifts, or perhaps we teach, or we are just an example to new believers in the way we are living. We are more like Jesus, we're closer to him, and that is seen primarily by our character and our behavior. And it's really interesting that in the, the criteria for eldership that we find in Titus, and I, I think 1 Timothy, um, most of those characteristics that we say, that Paul says this is what an elder looks like, most of them are about character. They're not about the person must have a gift for preaching, or the person must be charismatic, or the person must be able to run a, a church like a business. None of those things are in there. Um, it's seen by their character and their behavior um, and that they're respecting the community because of those things. So, having a lot of knowledge about God and the Bible and Christianity is not in itself spiritual maturity. But knowledge does have a place. Seeking knowledge of God and the Bible is one part of our journey towards spiritual maturity. It's part of the journey of becoming like Jesus, which is real spiritual maturity. And we can, sorry, I've got a lot of Bible passages in this talk. <laughs> I shouldn't apologize for that, they should I? Um, <laughs> so in 2 Peter chapter five, um, he makes this clear. He says, uh, do all you can to add to your life these things. To your faith, add goodness. To your goodness, add knowledge. And he goes on to say, add self-control, patience, devotion to God, kindness towards your brothers and sisters in Christ, and to this kindness, add love. If all these things are in you and growing, you will never fail to be useful to God. You will produce the kind of fruit that should come from your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can see that adding knowledge, growing as in, to, whatever label, to whatever level we're able to, um, growing in our understanding of God and our understanding of his ways, that's part of that journey. Now we're all gonna be able to kind of take that part of the journey to different levels. Um, we're going to have different levels of understanding. But God wants for us to understand what we can. And so he's given some of us gifts as teachers and mentors to help others grow in knowledge that they can then apply to their lives and grow to become more like Jesus. <coughs> so this is for all of us. Um, all of us um, are supposed to be becoming spiritually mature and as part of that journey to kind of understand what we can about God um, and his word in the Bible. Now, before we go on, <coughs> I want to just say that um, there is a challenge for us in, as I've said, learning disabilities as a spectrum. And there are people, some of us may know people, that are very severely 
disabled and have very limited capacity for understanding. Um, and actually, it's a similar thing to, you may have a, an older family member with dementia, for example, who's kind of reached a point where they're not really able to remember or to kind of grasp the things they once would. And that can be quite a challenge to our faith when we look at people in that situation and go, I mean, if they can't even grasp the very basic, um, sort of the simplest form of the gospel, you know, how, what does that mean for their faith? Are they able to kind of uh, know God at all? And I think that in those situations, we have to trust that God is not limited by a person's mental capacity. Um, he fills those gaps when there is um, difficulty in understanding. And we know even in our own lives that God can reach us and work in us, often in ways that don't involve our minds. They don't involve our cognitive understanding often. So for those um, situations, we might not see much outward evidence of a growing relationship with God. But if we believe that the gospel is for everyone, um, then we have to believe that our capacity to encounter God cannot be dependent on our mental or our physical ability. Our role is to help and support those people in whatever ways we can, perhaps with songs or with simple stories or whatever we can do. Um, and also being that example of what Jesus is like. Um, and then pray and trust God with the rest um, because he is so much bigger than us and he knows how to reach people just in their hearts even if they don't have any understanding. Um, <clears throat> but for many, many people with learning disabilities, there is a level of understanding that they're able to achieve. So how does this all apply to people with learning disabilities? Are you kind of with me so far? Excellent. So I think there are two potential mistakes that we can make in the way we sometimes view people with learning disabilities. And these, I think, are usually subconscious. We're not kind of necessarily conscious of these things. But sometimes we can kind of have a, have a sense that, that people with learning disabilities are here to be helped and to be looked after. They're people to be ministered to. We don't necessarily think of them as people who have something to give to us. Um, they're people that we support, but we don't, we sometimes underestimate them. We think perhaps, you know, th these people don't seem like they're going to be able to learn much or to contribute. And that, of course, if we have that view, even subconsciously, that can really stop us from helping them to grow in their faith because we don't think they can grow. We think it's nice that they're here, it's enough that they're here, we're kind to them, but we're not going to really bother too much about them growing in faith. And the other mistake, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. The other mistake we can make is that sometimes we can look at people with learning disabilities and think that they are closer to God than we are. They're kind of morally innocent, almost angelic. They're on a different spiritual plane to us. Um, and we kind of then think of them as people who are here to inspire us. We don't necessarily think they're people that need us to teach them anything. We think they've kind of made it. They're already close to God. Um, and so again, if we have that view, we're probably not going to help them grow in their faith because we don't think they need to grow. And these two things, I think there aren't probably many of us that would say, oh yeah, that's how I see people with learning disabilities. But there might be a little bit of one or both of those views in how we sometimes think. This is a quote from Gillian Benfield, who's a disability blogger uh, who has a son with Down syndrome. She says, my child with a disability is not an angel. Well-meaning people like to tell me he is, but I'm his mother. 
I've seen things, I know better. Neither he nor his counterparts are celestial beings. And when we think that about him and others with disabilities, when we project this heavenly identity, we strip away their humanity. We unknowingly make them more other than the world already has. And that's the problem with these, these two kind of views, is that they other people with learning difficulties. They say, they're not like us. But they are like us. They may well have different challenges, different experiences. But just like us, they are of course humans made in God's image, with gifts to share, and also they're sinners in need of salvation, just like we are. Um, so a few verses from the Bible, just to illustrate this. Romans chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. God makes people right through their faith in Jesus Christ. He does this for all who believe in Christ. Everyone is the same. All have sinned and are not good enough to share God's divine greatness. They are made right with God by his grace. This is a free gift. They are made right with God by being made free from sin through Jesus Christ. So all of us are sinners saved by grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but they are all given to believers by the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve, but they all come from the same Lord. There are different ways the Spirit works, but the same God is working in all these ways and in all people. So everybody has gifts. We all have something to offer. And finally, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter whether you're a slave or a free person. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. We could add, it doesn't matter if you have a disability, a learning disability or not. You all belong together because you all belong to Jesus Christ. Or Christ Jesus, sorry. So my point here is that we should not be expecting Christians with learning disabilities to be perpetual babies in Christ, only being fed. We should give them every opportunity to learn, to grow, to use their gifts, to contribute in whatever ways they're able. They, just like us, are on a journey of maturing spiritually. Um, and there are definitely things that people with learning disabilities can teach us. And I'm gonna be very general now because obviously everybody is different. But when I first started working with people with learning disabilities, um, there were two things that I noticed that really contrasted with kind of what I'd seen in the wider world. The first thing I noticed was that many of the people I worked with um, had this wonderful unself-consciousness about them. And that's not true of everybody, but it's definitely something that several people I've worked with are just unself-conscious. They're just themselves. They're unaware of social norms, unbothered by social norms often. And they're just relaxed. They're just who they are. And for me at 23, still with that kind of hangover from the teenage years of you know, worrying about what people might think of me and wanting to sort of seem cool, that was a real, um, a really helpful thing for me to actually see a different way of being, to just be yourself, to not be worried about what other people are thinking, to not be worried if you look different. Um, it helped me to relax and to take myself less seriously. <coughs> and um, I also worked with many autistic clients. Um, autism, again, is a big spectrum. Not everybody has a learning disability but the people that I've worked with with autism also have a learning disability. And those people very often had a real blunt honesty, which some of you may have encountered in some people with autism. Um, 
which again was such a refreshing change from the kind of politeness and the tact and the kind of sometimes weasel words that you find in the rest of the world. To just be able to be honest, to say what you think, is a really freeing thing. And that was wonderful as well. So, like I say, that's very general. Um, but there are lots of different things that actually, those different experiences and different challenges uh, that people face really mean that they can bring unique perspectives and, and different ways of looking at things, different ways of being that can really help us as a community. So, how can we help people with learning disabilities grow and mature as Christians? Well, the great thing about being a smaller church, I think, is that you are able to kind of look at people individually uh, in a way that a bigger church finds more difficult. Um, so you're, and I think you already do, sort of think about the different needs of the people in the church, and that's easier when you have um, a smaller church. Um, I loved uh, <laughs> seeing about a fidget church, that sounds fantastic. Um, so yeah, there's lots of things that you can do that, that, um, that are really quite simple, that can just be supportive for people with learning needs. Um, so I'm just gonna whiz through these because these are the kind of basics that many of you might have heard before anyway. So making church itself accessible, making your services accessible, it's about thinking about physical impairments, thinking about the accessibility of the building. Do you need to make adjustments for people with sight or hearing impairments? Do you need printed words? Those sorts of things. For people with learning disabilities, um, you need simple, clear information in simple words. And I think it's helpful to have a volunteer who's on hand to, to support. If somebody comes through your doors that, that has learning difficulties, looks like they might need a bit of support to settle in, there could be a volunteer on hand um, to just help that person. And sensory challenges as well, I think, sometimes can be overlooked. Um, but it doesn't sound like you overlook it here. <laughs> um, so it can be helpful if you have the space to have an accessible, kind of a quiet space where somebody who needs a break might be able to just go and have a bit of a calm down period in case they get a bit sensory overload. Um, and things like tactile items, things like fidget toys, um, things like that that people can play with. Um, sensory bags, I'll just give you a little. So this is an idea that a lot of um, churches have of just having a bag available that has some kind of fidget toys, um, perhaps some ear defenders for people that struggle with noise, that kind of thing. Just really simple, something available um, that you can give to somebody if they, if they seem like they might need it. Um, so those are all quite simple little things um, that just help you to, to meet needs as you see them. Um, but our main kind of point today is about helping people grow in their faith. So the spiritual side of things um, it's about simple teaching and mentoring and faith. So a lot of your sermons here are not going to be easy for someone with learning disabilities to understand. And you can't cater every sermon for somebody who, with learning disabilities. But you can perhaps uh, think about who might need a bit of extra support to understand. And can there be somebody to, to kind of help them uh, simplify it and so on. Individual mentoring can help as well if there's somebody that, that you think that person could really do with some extra support. Think about resources. So I'm obviously going to talk about my book in a moment. Um, think, think as well about easy-to-read Bibles, uh, things like the easy-to-read version. There are a couple of other uh, Bible versions in simple language, uh, simple language which can be helpful. Uh, some people might need easy-read written resources. 
Some might respond to videos. Um, symbols and pictures can be helpful. Um, stories. Just think about the different ways that you can kind of present teaching. Um, I know that lots of churches have kind of kids' spots in their services. I don't know whether you ever, ever do anything like that. But a lot of things that work for kids can also work for people with learning needs with a few little adjustments. You want to respect them as adults, but instead of a, a kid's slot, you can have an inclusive slot <coughs> that you just think a lot of the similar things, multimedia, activities, games, those kinds of things can be really helpful for people with learning disabilities too. Um, additional needs groups. Now, not every church has the resources to put on a group. Um, you're very lucky in Crawley because the group that I lead at Crawley Community Church is open to people from other churches as well. And I've got some flyers out there. So if, you, if there is anybody that you know that might benefit from uh, some more accessible teaching, I'll talk a little bit about the group in a moment. Um, that's open as well. And also, really important is opportunities to contribute. How can somebody get involved? How can they help? How can they serve? How can they feel part of this community? It's about identifying their gifts. What would they enjoy doing? And how could they be uh, more involved? I've also got out there a, a list of sort of accessible uh, org uh, organizations and accessible resources that might be helpful if you want to kind of know more. Um, and if you're looking for accessible teaching resources, there are, there are some online that I can uh, that are on that list. Okay, so a few examples from my group that I help to lead at CCC. Um, we meet together, we're basically a regular small group. We meet on a Monday evening. We have teaching, we pray together, we worship together. Sometimes we have sensory activities and interactive things. Um, and the people in my group ask questions, they give good answers, they ask for prayer, some of them pray out loud. Um, Several of them like to help with the teas and coffees and clearing up. Uh, one guy, his favorite thing in the world to do is hoovering, so he helps us hoover after the, after the meeting. And of course, they form friendships with each other and with us. And in the church, they've sometimes read Bible passages or they've prayed in the services. Some of them have joined the welcome or hospitality teams. Um, and I'll just give you one little anecdote. Um, Dan and I moved on from CCC to St. Andrews in October. And on our last morning at CCC, um, one of the guys from our group who has autism and a learning disability, he came over and prayed for us, uh, for me and Dan, that we would be blessed in our new church, that God would use us, all of these wonderful things. And as soon as he started praying, I started tearing up uh, because it was just so lovely. And it's, that's a really good picture of the kind of mutuality of the body of Christ. This is a guy that we had fed and mentored and, and taught, and he has grown um, and is now able to feed us and minister to us. And that's what it's supposed to be like, isn't it? We're supposed to be encouraging and helping each other in all these different ways. <coughs> so, this is my book, uh, Living Well with God, Easy Read Bible Lessons for People Who Find Reading Hard. <coughs> So I've said that I wrote this really because there are so few resources available and I want to try and, try and fill a little bit of that gap um, with the skills that I've picked up doing what I've been doing. Um, and this is uh, what's called Easy Read. So Easy Read guidelines 
to make information as accessible as possible. A lot of it is about, obviously, using easy words, short sentences. I've tried very hard not to oversimplify the meaning of what I'm writing, but just to try and simplify the language as much as I can. Um, obviously, you know, it makes the meaning a little bit simpler, but it's, yeah, trying to get that balance right. Um, so easy words, short sentences. It's also about layout, because a lot of people with learning needs struggle with visual processing. Um, so nice and clear, nothing too overwhelming to look at. And pictures and symbols, as you can see, to help support the text and aid understanding. Um, and as I said, this follows the same topics as Refresh. And as I also said, I found along the way that actually it's not just people with learning needs that can benefit from resources like this. This might be a surprising statistic. It was to me. One in six adults in England have a reading age of seven or lower. That's not a typo. <laughs> I actually had to check that it wasn't. That's one in six people. That's about 16.8%. And that's far more, of course, than the population of people with learning disabilities, which is about one in 50. Over half of UK prisoners struggle with reading. So within prisons, over half of those people struggle with reading, and many can't read at all. And in fact, the population of people with learning disabilities is far higher in prisons than it is in the wider population. And people with low literacy are much more likely to experience poverty and poor health. And that might be, you know, we might understand how that um, could be. Obviously, it's harder to get a job if you struggle with reading. It's harder to kind of access the support that you need. All, all kinds of things become much more difficult. So there are lots of people in our communities that really find reading very difficult. And if we want to reach our community with the gospel, we need to be able to present it in a way that everyone can understand. And often the kind of ministries that we do as churches do bring us into contact with a lot of people that are from more disadvantaged backgrounds. If you help in food banks, if you help with the Easter team, um, if you help with Love Your Neighbour in the hub, um, if you help in refugee ministry, of course, lots of people there um, are not going to understand English very well. Um, so there are lots and lots of places, prison ministries as well, of course, there are Christian prison ministries. So lots of the ways that we're trying to engage with our communities actually these kinds of resources are really helpful to have on hand. So part of my hope for Living Well with God is that it'll be something that churches and Christian ministries can kind of have on hand for if they come into contact with people that might need those things and might benefit from them. So I'm coming towards the end. <laughs> um, we think that our culture is quite big on equality and diversity, but these are things that God invented and built into his church. This is a quote from biblical scholar D.A. Carson. He says, what binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything of the sort. Christians come together because they have been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him a common allegiance. In light of the fact that they have all been loved by Jesus himself, they commit themselves to love one another. In this light, 
They are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. And I've always loved that last part, that some of us might feel that we're natural enemies at times. You know, we're very different from one another in lots of ways, but we love one another for Jesus' sake. Um, We're not all the same, and that's a good thing. That's how God designed it. (coughs) And in fact, our differences bring us closer to reflecting the whole image of God together. Um, So, like the, the passage we saw back in Ephesians, um, uh, it said the unity and diversity that we're all doing our own part but we're all growing together in love um, and of course this is a very famous passage uh, again from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and this is from a different version this is from the New International Readers version which is another, um, another simple Bible version <coughs> God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts, but there is only one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it's just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we can't do without. And then in verse 27, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. And finally, just to finish off, not only does God value our differences, but he elevates those who in our world are often overlooked or underestimated. Our world is impressed by gifted, strong, clever, charismatic people, but God's way is kind of upside down. God's power is made perfect in weakness. God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And finally, God's kingdom belongs to those who are like little children. So the body of Christ needs the faith and the spiritual example of those with autism and learning disabilities and all kinds of other um, conditions, just as we need those from different backgrounds and different cultures. And by making faith accessible, by empowering people of all abilities to grow and to contribute, the whole church is blessed. Let me just pray to finish off. Lord, thank you that we are not all the same. Thank you for the differences, the different experiences and different um, gifts in this room, Lord. And I pray that you will help us to grow together in love, to grow together towards spiritual maturity and to include people of all abilities in this wonderful community of your church. Amen.